you know what joy is? It isn't happiness. It isn't temporary. Joy is a way of life. It's really the description of a genuine walk with Jesus. The Advent candle today is the joy candle representing the joy of life for all when Christ came to us in flesh. You may be surprised to know just how many times the word joy appears in the Bible and how many times the concept of joy is made clear. Francis Chan, author and pastor, said this, the Bible teaches that true joy is formed in the midst of the most difficult seasons of life. Hard seasons remind us that we are really not in control of much. But joyful seasons can still be difficult seasons, but we realize it's a battle we do not have to fight alone. Listen to this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul saying this, in everything we do, we show that our, we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. <laughs> Who'd sign up for that? <laughs> yeah. We prove ourselves by our purity, integrity, honesty, our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us, and our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We're ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We've been beaten, but we've not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own, listen to this, we own nothing, yet we have everything. That gives you a clue in the Bible's idea of joy. If we go to the Christmas story in Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter two, verses nine through 12, we find this. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Galatians 5 will talk about the various fruit that we have growing in our lives as we follow Jesus. There are things that come to us as a result of putting our life in his hands. In other words, just saying, I will, I will, I will read this, the New Testament in particular, I'll read the whole Bible, but I will read the words of Jesus so that way I will learn what is it, what's the kind of life he offers me to live. And at first, it may not make sense to many people. It seems counterintuitive. It just seems counterproductive. And, and it different than, you know, Jesus is saying, do this. The world's saying, do that. He's saying over here, it might be difficult at times, but it will bring you lasting joy. Over here, there's, we don't know what that joy will look like. And we don't always have it. We don't always feel joyful. The various fruit that grows within us as we follow Jesus. 
And, and, and the fruit is a result of vibrant journey with Jesus. So Acts 2 described the event that had prepared them for this moment, for the birth. The Old Testament is communication from God. And this event prepared them for the coming of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament is communication of te and teaching of Jesus, God in person, God in flesh. And after Jesus leaves the earth, he promised he would send us his spirit, the spirit of truth, the comforter. So we transition from God to God as a human and then to God as a spirit. In the Old Testament, God communicated directly with the people. In the New Testament, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, God in flesh. When Jesus ascended back to heaven, it says in the book of Acts that he gave the Holy Spirit. He told them he would. In other words, it's, it's as if he's with us, but we can't see him. It's as if the strength and the power and the way he taught us to live is still very clear, even in a culture that at times would look at this and think it's uh, craziness. So Acts 2 describes that. And here's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to us. Here's what happens or what happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came as was promised. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Now, the Holy Spirit, sound, it, I know, if for those of you that are, <coughs> excuse me, are new to church or you don't know what you believe yet, that's one thing I love about our church, you can be here as long as it takes to figure this out. And it's, believe me, I've been in it all my life and there's still times that... Um, that you have to really think through, does that make sense? And there's some things on this side of heaven you won't know, but I do believe this. So the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Now as a kid, every now and then my brother and I, we, we were in church as kids and we would hear the pastors and, and our dad sometimes say, the Holy, uh, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, it was the Holy Ghost. And as a kid, I'm thinking, I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> if it's a ghost, count me out. It's the Holy Spirit who controls our lives. It, it's the Spirit of Christ in us. When he's invited to be there, remember, you start by an invitation of asking him to be in you and work through you for the good of your life and those around you who you'll have an opportunity to do great things for. That's the Holy Spirit. And he produces this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, how many in this particular audience would say, I have all uh, three, six, seven, eight of these, all eight of them. How many are here that would say, I have all eight of those at work? That, I'm so glad because you're, that means you're an honest church. Because <laughs> I figured if anybody dared put that hand up, we were gonna make sure that dude had therapy tomorrow, you know to get rid of this Messiah complex that was clearly present. And somebody says, oh, I've got all of these. We have some, we have all of these. Yes, all of these come to us. All of these are available to us. But granted, God, God knows when he creates people, we're born with personalities. And we had the grandkids last night overnight. And it's like the three, uh, the two boys and, and then the, uh, the granddaughter. Uh, and I, can't, I forget their names right now, but they were with us. Uh, <laughs> No, it's Tegan, Oliver, and Heidi. And, and they were spending the night, and uh, that happens occasionally, and um, it, it was fun. And um, 
it, it was a little sleepless, but it was fun. And they, they went right straight to sleep. They really do. They're good kids. They really are. But I, I look at these kids and I think someday they'll need to make a choice. They'll need to know what it means to follow Jesus. And thank God they're being taught so well in the Sunday school halls of this church. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we don't have all of these at once. And I'm not sure we have all of them ever, but there's, in other words, I can admit that I, I'm good in love and I can, I can have joy, although I'm like everybody else, if you're not careful, someday some circumstances will take you down and all of a sudden you set joy aside, you've gone back to worrying as if it's up to us. Now patience, uh, the, the staff is going to have such a fun time with this uh, because that's one of the things I've struggled with uh, in the past. Uh, I'm impatient, and, and some of that's in good ways. You know, I mean, if, if, if I'm up in the middle of the night and, uh, and I turn a light switch on and there's a bulb burnout, I'll go get the bulb and get on the ladder. It might be three in the morning, but there's a bulb out and I don't wanna be thinking about it. The another three or four hours, I'm going to sleep. I'm not that patient. So, but but I, I really... So in other words, do an, do an inventory a little bit and at least understand where you're going to have some difficulty being some of these. Some have difficult, difficulty being kind. Gentleness. And my goodness, I'm not, you know, self-control. So this isn't a list that, it, in other words, it's telling us we can have all those things when the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Those are our benefits to have. Now we have to then prayerfully consider where we are in that, how we're receiving those things and what God wants to do through us in light of those traits. In John 14, verse 16 through 18, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. It's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. And Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll be with you, you just won't be able to see me. But you'll know the spirit and you'll know when that spirit is at work within you. He says, I will not leave you as Lord. Now, let's talk about the two definitions of joy, two very different definitions for the same word. The first de uh, definition comes out of the dictionary. If you look it up in a, a common dictionary, Webster's or whatever you have, uh, it will say this, in that uh, joy is an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. You know, if you're a car, car guy, you, you see a certain car and you go, man, I, I want that, you know. Of course, some people are now paying for cars more than we pay for our houses. But the, and I now would notice that, you know, because I go look up, wonder what that costs. It's an emotion evoked by well-being or by the prospect of possessing what we desire. Now that's absurd, but that is a proper definition. Can you imagine living your life and your total happiness is based only on what we desire and if we can get it or not? But that's the world's definition. That's in the dictionary. Emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune or by the prospect of possessing what one desires to experience great pleasure or delight. And if that's true, 
There's nothing wrong with that. That's true. The, the only difficulty here is, as a believer, we have an entirely different definition for that. It will, this will get put in perspective when you know the second definition that comes from the Bible. So in other words, joy means to rejoice amidst the worst of circumstances. That's what I just read to you about Paul. We rejoice in the middle of the worst of circumstances. That does not mean that when somebody is hurting, when a loved one has been given a diagnosis that's not, not very good and the outlook isn't good, that doesn't mean we can sit there and go, oh, I'm, I'm just joyful. That's not what this means, I'm gonna be joyful regarding. No, we can still be joyful in painful moments. And where the joy comes from in those painful moments is when we realize whatever we're going through, whatever our loved one's going through, they're not alone. We're not gonna go through this alone. That's what the Spirit does for us. To rejoice amidst the worst of circumstances, full of goodwill, generous, forgiving, regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of the circumstances. In other words, joy is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's, he's the presence of God at work in our life. And, and is it, how, how hard is it to get to God? It's not that difficult. We purposely as a church don't try to make a production out of it. When, when I growing up in church, my brother and I, we were the PKs, you know. And then we got into the student, I remember one time, and I've told you this before, in our, we called them a youth group then, now it's a student ministry, but youth group worked back then. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna hear from Daniel on that one. Whole student ministry staff, will, yeah, I'll hear from him. But there were times that, you know, the, all, the only time you could get saved when I was growing up is at the end of a service, during a song. And if you weren't there at the end and there wasn't a song, chances are you'd have to wait for next week. And I might have been guilty, and I can't say my brother and I maybe not both be guilty of, times you're just saying, well, somebody just go up there so we can go to lunch. <laughs> there were kids in our, in our youth group, they got saved many times. And, and we got to get out of church uh, in time. <laughs> Jesus said in John 15, let me read this first. Rick Warren says this, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details. That's joy. So in other words, in the worst moments of life, there can be joy, and I, I promise you there are moments, it's not giddy joy. It doesn't mean you're just happy, 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 happy. Some days are heartbreaking. Some days you wonder, why God, why? Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. The determined choice. So Jesus said in John 15, I've told you this, why? So you may be, my joy may be in you. I want my, he says, I want my joy in you and that your joy may be complete. So Webster's gives us a, an appropriate definition of joy based on what, how the world would see the word joy. 
But this is a totally different joy because it's the settled assurance that God's in control. It means we can rejoice even in the midst of circumstances that are very painful. We can be generous if we choose to. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive when we'd rather not forgive. The Holy Spirit gives us the courage to say in this very difficult moment in life when maybe it's a loved one you're losing, maybe there's jobs, maybe you feel like all you've had lately is just a, a, a closed door everywhere you turn. Something hurt, something went south, something didn't go like you planned. But we've been told by Jesus that my joy may be in you and you may be complete. Let's define happiness now. There's, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is external. If everyone around me is good, people like me, I'm successful, have some degree of financial st stability, that's all very inconsistent. You can be happy with all that, but you can't be happy all the time when you run into relational issues. And when, you, when your friends, you thought they were your friends, but they decide they're not. Or, or when you don't feel successful and when you don't have financial stability. So happiness really is an it can be an external thing. Secondly, happiness comes and goes due to external factors. You can be deliriously happy one day and for whatever reason, kind of blue the next one or sad the next one or worrying the next one. Here's what joy really is, the joy Jesus gives. It's a gift that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. And again, I encourage you if you're not sure, if you're fully invested and fully aware and fully alert to the things of God, there's a point where you, you really have to decide what you're gonna do with this. We don't like to rush anybody, but at the same time, you know, when our prayer teams are across the front every week, as they will be today, they're able to help you pray. And it's perfectly fine for someone to pray with you and say, and you may say, I, I want it, I just don't know how to get it. I, I want the Spirit, I, I, want to, I want Christ at the center of my life. And it simply starts admitting that and praying, asking him. We'd love to help with that. We'd like to walk you through that, but it's really simple. And that's why these prayer teams are always available, so we can help people with questions. Or perhaps now you're ready. You want this abundant life that we're hearing about that comes from Jesus through his Holy Spirit that he gave us his presence when he was no longer on earth. And I know that so many people in, in this day and age would find that totally bizarre. I understand that. But we happen to know it's real. Those of us who've experienced it. It's kind of like when you've, you, you get a car and it just turns out to be kind of a lemon. Every time you turn around, something's going wrong. So you finally get out of that because you're tired of all the bills it takes to keep it going. And you'll find what you would call a, more, a reliable car. You, you'll find something that just works well. And that's kind of the difference here. You're, you can drive, you can be the driver of your own life and there's gonna be ups and downs and bumps. Now there'll still be ups and downs and bumps when you put Christ in the center of your life, 
but it'll be handled very differently when he's in charge. Let me tell you what the thieves of joy are, the the thieves that come to wanna take away your joy. The first one is worry. Worry is an inordinate anxiety about something that may or may not occur. And again, many of us, I'm one of those, I like to worry in advance. <laughs> Before anything happens, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm an advanced worrier. There's no reason to be worried. I don't even know what's gonna happen or when it's gonna happen. But you know, it, there's some of us that like doing that. I, I like ang- to get into anxiety about something that may or may not even happen. That's worry. Stress is an intense strain over a situation that we cannot change or control. Now bear in mind, there are situations that you can't maybe control, but there are situations, certainly if it involves boundaries, if it involves taking some steps to some level of sanity in a certain area of life, yes, we can change, but we do that in the power of Christ. But stress is this intense strain over a situation we cannot change or control. Sometimes it's your schedule and the schedule, is, it's just gonna be one of those weeks. There are times we know it's seasons of the church. I think we're doing uh, 17, I think it's 19 services for Christmas Eve. Well, we're just gonna be ready that that week, is, it's just gonna be a different kind of week. And we're gonna be tired when it's over. <laughs> it's okay. It's worth it. We love it. I, I can't, I really, by Christmas Eve, you know, it's like, I'm not sure where I am. And what, what did we just celebrate? It's an inordinate anxiety about something that we may or may not occur. Stress is an intense strain over a situation we cannot change or control. Fear, uneasiness over the presence of danger, evil, or pain. Now, worry is normal. We're gonna have worries. Stress is going to come to us. Sometimes, you know, it's like, and even as a pastor, there's, there's stress involved, just like you have stress involved. But there are times you know in advance there's stress in this situation, but it's worth it. It comes with it. So let Jesus walk you through this. Try to keep your attitude clear. Try to keep your focus clear. There are just times that God's gonna use our worry to remind us, trust me, I've got this. There's times God will even use some stress in our lives to say, are you hurting? Are you ruining your life? Or are you in stress because you're trying to control too many things? or trying to control somebody. Fear, all kinds of things can frighten us the uneasiness over the presence of evil or danger. Hebrews tells us that Jesus, he was dying, willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy, because of the joy he knew would be his. Isn't that interesting? Because of the joy that would be his. And remember, Jesus was God in flesh. He was just like us. Except he was divine and perfect. And all you gotta do is remember one little detail. The night before he was crucified, when he prayed to God, Lord, if there's any way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. I know there are times many if not all of us certain times are praying similar things, could, could we let this pass from me? Is there a way for me to have another way? Is there a chance 
that there's something different. Lord, show me how this can be different. It's just like Jesus saying, if there's any way to avoid what I'm gonna have to face tomorrow, Father, please let this cup pass from me. And now we find out that he was willing to die a shameful death on a cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Because there would be no more bound by laws. There'd be no more worry about if you're good enough. There'd be, there'd be a lot more humility than all of a sudden because then the, the religious elite will have lost control. And now the Holy Spirit is in charge of our life. That spirit that he puts in us when we invite him into our life. True joy comes only to those who've devoted their life to something greater than personal happiness. Probably ought to write that one down. True joy comes only to those who have devoted their lives to something greater than personal happiness. I'm as guilty as anybody else to get caught up in the happiness of the world. The desires we have, we want something we don't have, can't afford, don't need, but we desire, you know, whatever it is. Joy will come to those of us who are willing to devote our lives to something greater than just my personal happiness. And God wants to do such a great thing within all of us if we would just let go of all our little desires that we have, that we want, and start focusing then, what does Jesus want for me? How would I, how would he, what has he said to me already through the Bible? What, how would I react? What's the best way to handle this situation? I just love that phrase. We have to devote our lives to something other, something greater than personal happiness. God has done his work. Jesus has given his life. And then the choice we make is to follow with devotion or not. I'll be honest with you, Jesus wants something better for us than we settle for. He doesn't just want his Eastern Christmas. He wants to use us all through the year. He wants to show us what worship looks like when God is doing something and you know there's no logical explanation for it. He wants us to have that. And once we, once we comprehend what Jesus has really done for us, and what he offers us, we do things not to impress him, We'll never be able to impress Jesus anymore and he's already impressed with us. He loves us, he died for us. We don't do these things to win favor with others or to be liked more, not to score points with Jesus, but to express love to him because you just simply love him. God has done his work, Jesus has given his life. Now I, our choice is follow or not, but at least clarify where are you right now? Are you following? Are you hesitant? Are you not following? Are you considering following? Do you need more time? This church will walk with you until you're ready, until you see the need, until you understand fully the kind of life Jesus would like to give us. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it'll be without trials. But it does mean when he said, I'll give you life more abundantly than you can imagine. That is true. And that's your step to take.
devoting yourself to the journey of following the one who knows everything about us, everything about us, yet loves us unconditionally. He wants to use us. He knows what our real gifts are. He knows what we're capable of. He wants to equip us to do things we never dreamed we could do. He may equip you to do something like you didn't want to do, like be a pastor. (laughs) But he loves us and he forgives us and he gives us a perspective on life that does help us navigate the storms of this trial-filled temporary world. And I would like everybody to have that. I would invite our prayer teams forward if they'd come to the front of all of our rooms. And if you have any questions about this, about what I've said, or if you'd like someone to pray with you about this, and your prayer may be today, Lord, make me willing to be willing because I'm not willing yet. Or it may be praying with someone to help you understand what does this mean to follow Jesus. That's who we want to be. And I invite everyone to have what that brings into your life. There's just nothing like it. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you that Christmas reminds us that we are loved, that God loved us enough to put an end to the pressures of the law. The the seasons in this earth of measuring up to something, knowing you never seem to quite get there, or you had to pretend to measure up. Father, you came, you gave us Jesus in flesh who loved us and took care of all the messes we've made, gave us all the forgiveness we'd ever need. And Father, we thank you for that. I pray for those who are curious, maybe thirsty or hungry for more than they've settled for. May they find that in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.